Hello, and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host, Connor, and today we have been away from our State of the Meta segment for a very long time, for a few weeks. We've had a lot to cover. We've just finished up our set review of BT9X Records, so we haven't really had a time to actually look at what is going on in the meta. So today we are going to have an extended look at the state of the meta where we're really going to get into what is winning, what is doing well, what has changed since the BT9 meta started. And we're just going to take a look at sort of what decks are posting results and what that might mean and what might change going forward. Before that, Nothing. Usually this is the segment where we would take a look at the state of the meta, but because that's the crux of the episode today, we get to jump straight over to our main topic. So, now for our main topic. Obviously today we are taking an extended and deep look at the current state of the meta in BT9X record. We have had X record for a few weeks now. We've had a lot of time as an English meta to play around with the new cards, to play around with the new decks, and really settle into the format. We've also had major events. We had a regionals just recently, and there's been a lot of big, well-publicized tournaments. So there's a lot of results to look at, and there's been a lot of data that's been put out into the world. Um, I have collated a bunch of data using websites such as digimonmeta.com, which is one of my favorite websites for looking at this kind of thing. It just, it collates a bunch of decks. People submit tournament winning decks. Um, so I've looked at that. I've looked at the results from the recent regionals and a few other places. And I have collated different decks and different results. So to walk you through the information that I have collected, I have in front of me, a spreadsheet that has a bunch of different decks. If I could only find sort of one posted result from a given deck archetype, I chose not to include it because I thought that was sort of spreading things too thin. thin. And you get these outliers sometimes. You collect enough results, you're like, you're going to get a Jessmon deck that wins. It doesn't mean I think it's a significant share of the meta. I think it's just, you're going to get those weird outliers if you look at enough results. So I have... A list of decks by sort of archetype, uh, and also what color primarily those decks are, which is, as we get into BT9 and move forward, I find it so fun that that's getting harder and harder to sort of pick out what the quote-unquote main color of a deck is, and I think as we move forward, we're going to have to start looking at maybe calling decks dual colors, especially as we start to mix more and more colors into the decks, and those off-color pieces become more important. I then have collected all of the first place results that I could find for that deck archetype, and then also the total number of top eight placements, which does include the first place results as well, obviously, because first place is in the top eight. So what we end up with is a list that has each deck and a pretty good sample size of how that deck is performing compared to other decks in the format. Now, I don't have claim to have all of the answers. I don't claim to have all of the information. Statistically speaking, this is still a really, really small sample size. So it's very hard to make big 
sweeping declarations based on the data that I have in front of me. And that's not really what I'm in the business of anyway. I know that I don't know very much about uh, this kind of high level play. I like to think I do pretty well, but I am far from uh, a Dan Vang kind of character. I am far from topping regionals, topping nationals, topping worlds. Uh, I'm on the lower end. So when all I can do is tell you the information I have in front of me, give you my best educated guess based on being someone who at least follows these, um, these people who do really well and who does listen to a lot of discussions with high-level players and does try to pay attention to what's going on in the meta. And then I just make inferences. And you should take those inferences with a grain of salt and know that this is not... I'm not trying to be the definitive person. This is not going to result in my ultimate tier list for BT9X record, the perfect tier list, whatever. That's not something that I'm capable of doing. I'm not able to put together a tier list of decks. I'm not able to make that assessment, and I don't claim to make that assessment. So we're going to go. We're just going to look at the numbers. We're going to be a bit off the cuff. This is less prepared as an episode today than we do usually. So this is going to be a bit more free-flowy, and we're just going to see what the information says to us as we read it in the real moment. So... First on my list, and these were not in any particular order, they just kind of went by colour order, but the colour order was sort of arbitrary. So first we have the black decks, and far and away the best represented black deck is Alphabon, the ex-antibody deck. So primarily black, it has nine first place finishes that I was able to find represented amongst my data, and a total of 15 top eight placements. So it finished in the top eight 15 times, and... Over half of those times, it was in first place. So we're seeing that um, it's being represented a lot. Maybe that means that it's being played a lot, but I think the fact that so many of those top eight finishes were first place finishes means that this is a strong deck. And we kind of knew this was going to be a strong deck. We saw this deck's got its support over not just this set, but over the last few sets. So it was a long time coming, and it's finally sort of come into its own. Alphamon X Antibody, we can say demonstrably based on what we can see in front of us, this is a good deck. Uh, next we had... Now, I this this was one that slipped through the cracks. I did say that I didn't include any deck that only had one represented uh, finish, but here was one. Black Blocker uh, had one first place finish. I think I just included it because I thought it was so weird, but again, I think it doesn't mean that Black Blocker is a sleeper hit. It just means that it you collect enough data, you're going to see some weird results like that. Like, over 100 tournaments, one of them's going to be won by something out there. And in this case, it was Black Blocker. Uh, Also, we are seeing D-Brigade. Interestingly, D-Brigade saw four first-place finishes in the results, I could see. And those were the only ones that were posted. I think that means that people weren't necessarily um, posting their results if they finished just sort of top eight with their D-Brigade deck. I think because it's a little bit of an outlier, people only found it worthwhile posting about and talking about if they finished in first place is kind of what I think was going on there. Why there's no just like fourth place, fifth place finishes. Um, I think D-Brigade can be pretty good in this meta. Like four results, 
compared to four first place results compared to sort of the other representation that we're going to see as we go through is a pretty good result. That's a lot of results. So I think the deck is probably pretty good. It's definitely not going to be like meta defining or anything unless a lot more people pick it up. And I think another couple pieces change or people figure out the secret source and there might not even be any secret source there to find. There might not be, this might be it. This might represent peak D brigade. We just don't know. All I can say is that it's got four wins and by the data I was able to collect, that's a lot of wins. So maybe D brigade is not a bad idea to bring to your locals. It could be a bit of fun. It could be something a bit different and it could do better than you think. Moving on to the blue decks. Now we have what is far and away the top deck from our list today. Metal Garurumon X Antibody had a blue deck, had 21 top eight finishes, and of those, 10 were first places. So just by total results, Metal Garurumon X is posting more than any of the other decks we're going to look at today. And roughly 50% of those, a little bit under, were first place finishes. So not only is it seeing a lot of top results, it's seeing a lot of win results as well. And again, this is not shocking this deck is well it's blue we know blue decks do really well generally speaking it's a bit of a bit of an unspoken thing that blue is a very very strong color and metal guru Ramon x does a lot of those things that we know to be strong it gets a lot of attacks in one turn it just kind of unsuspends itself makes a lot of memory draws a lot of cards it has removal attached to it so it's just doing everything kind of in one package it's capable of really going off if you get a good setup and your opponent sort of gives you enough time to get that setup going. And overall, just a really, really strong deck. So this is not a surprising result, but there you have it. Strictly by the numbers, if you accept these numbers as gospel, Metal Guru Monex, top deck in format. Is it the top deck in format? I don't actually think so. I don't think there is a quote-unquote top deck in this format. I think that place could be taken by a few... There's a few contenders... That could claim that. But Metal Guru Mon X is definitely one of the better decks for this format. One of the stronger decks, I should say. If you're into that, if that's something you want to do, if you're looking for, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, what, what's the best? I want to play the best. I want to play the strongest. Metal Guru Mon X Antibody is a very strong case for being the quote-unquote strongest. Next we had... My favorite deck of the format, Armor Rush or Magnumon X Antibody. Uh, two top eight results. They were both wins, but not a lot of results posted. I don't know if people just aren't playing the deck or if it's not doing well. I suspect it's not doing well. Um, I had modest success with it at a local level, but nothing outstanding. It was woefully outplayed by a couple of decks that were very popular. So uh, I don't think it's in a good place in the meta share of uh, BT9 at the moment. It's really fun and it can be strong, but I think it just places poorly. It's a poor matchup against some of the other stronger decks in the format. So you're not going to see, un unless the meta shifts dramatically, you're not going to see Armor Rush get much higher than these numbers, I think. And then finally, Imperial Jabon, which had eight posted top eights that I was able to find. Three first places. So doing pretty well. Um, not a bad choice. Imperial Jabon's still very strong. Didn't get many new pieces in X Record, I think. So the meta's kind of shifted away from it a bit because it didn't get stronger, um, notably. 
Like, it got maybe a couple pieces. I'm not that up on the deck, so I don't know. It didn't feel to me like there was much going on for Imperial Dramon in this set. It's doing well. It's still got its fair share of the of the pie. It's not overperforming. It's just doing okay. Green now. Only one majority green deck represented, and I think we all know what deck it is. It's Grandis Kuagamon. Six total top eight results that I could see posted. Two of them first places. And Grandis Kuagamon kind of on everybody's mind at the moment because three of those top eight places and one of those wins was from the recent North America regionals. So Grandis Kuagamon in that regional took first, second, and then I think either third or like fifth or something. But it was three of the top eight decks, almost half of the meta share, Grandis Kuagamon in the top eight in that uh in that regionals, which is pretty cool. Grandis Kuagamon was kind of a in the Japanese meta version of BT9, it was a big deal. Grandis Kuagamon was one of the stronger decks. It might have even have been a contender for strongest deck in that format. And then it came over to X Record and the lack of consistency for Grandis Kuagamon, it just doesn't perform consistently over a lot of games and in a best of three format you're playing a lot more games so you notice that lack of consistency a lot more grandest kuagamon just didn't perform as well here and it kind of fell off a bit there were still a few results posted from before the regionals but not many uh the regionals have sort of pushed it back into people's minds a bit though i think there's been a little bit of blue mixed into it a little bit of secret spicy tech which people are really interested in. And I wouldn't be surprised if moving forward, based on the fact that it did so well at regionals, we're going to see it represented a lot more. I think people are going to want to build Grandis Kuagamon because it won, it was spicy, people figured out a bit of a more powerful version of it for this meta. So expect to see it a lot more moving forward, I think. Is it secretly the best deck in format? Uh, I don't know. But it's gonna you're going to see it a lot more moving forward, I think. So just... Be aware that Grandis Kuagamon is on the up, as far as I'm concerned. Next we have D-Reaper. Six results posted. Half of those, three of them, first places. D-Reaper, still doing pretty well. Still fairly popular. Again, I think... I think, based on what I'm seeing in front of me, six is about average for the decks I saw posted that were taking these top eights. So, D-Reaper is currently hitting... I think it's fair meta share. It's not overperforming. It's performing about where you would expect it to be. And a lot of these decks are. There's not many decks that are really wildly overperforming. A lot of the decks are sitting at around the same point. So I wanted to take this opportunity to say that I think there's a bit of a feeling that this is a meta that's dominated by OTK. It's very uninteractive. And I think there's definitely truth to that. And I'm not going to say that anyone who is saying that is wrong. Um, I can only speak from my experience and I've not really played a big share of the meta. I haven't played in those big tournaments for this meta because I've just been too busy. But from what I've been able to see and from what I'm seeing in front of me right now, yeah, the the sort of ex-antibody OTK decks are represented. And in the case of Alphamon and Metal Garurumon, they are maybe a bit overrepresented. But there's still a healthy mix in here of other archetypes that are doing other things. So I don't think it's just an OTK. It, it's an OTK meta in that, again, the two strongest decks are OTK. But 
I think as we move forward and people start to get bored with that, and we see it in a lot of formats, people start to experiment as we head to the end of the format's life. We're going to see a meta shift. We're going to see more of these non-OTK decks moving to the fore as people want to play around a bit more. So I think stick it out because based on what I'm seeing here, those decks are still getting their fair share and they are only going to be, I think, on the up as we move into the latter half of BT9, especially because kind of the main tournaments are now done. So people aren't necessarily looking to BT9 and try to break it anymore. The uh, the competitive eyes are now on BT10 because that's when the next major events are going to be. So the people still looking to build new and interesting things in BT9 are going to be going further afield from the OTK rather than moving into it. So I think the meta is going to be in a healthy place for fun-wise and casual-wise as we move forward. Purple, we saw two decks represented that I could find. One, BL Starmon, six top eights, five of those first places. So a pretty good percentage of those top eight finishes were wins, completely winning the event, which is pretty cool. Uh, BL Starmon, an old archetype that I think keeps getting quote-unquote support because its support are options that cost seven. So... It's getting a, just a lot of incidental support. If it's an option card that costs seven, BL Starmon can kind of play it. So, and BL Starmon also kind of a security control type deck, which we know is very popular, especially in the English meta. So, not surprising to see it have a reasonable meta share and a lot of wins. I think people still aren't necessarily um, playing around the security control at the moment. For a while, it fell off and people stopped, you know, stopped taking in those delicate plans as much. They stopped being as aware of um, of security control because when you're playing against these OTK decks, a lot of times they don't even include any sort of security effects or not many because they're just focused on trying to kill you. So you don't need to play around security. You play against Bielstarmon, you have to play around security. People aren't ready for that. They're building these one big stacks. They're putting it all in, it's getting blown out by security, and then what do you do? You've got to rebuild, BL Starmon kills you before you can. Is what I think is happening, again, I'm not in the room with all of these people, I'm not having conversations with every BL Starmon player being like, why do you think it's winning a lot? A lot of the percentage of its top eight finishes. Haven't done that legwork, so this is all speculation, but based on what I've seen, I think that might be what is happening. Again, grain of salt, but I guess you wouldn't be listening to the podcast if you didn't want to hear my opinion. That's my opinion. That's what I think is happening. Got to stop second guessing myself. And I will as we move into Mastamon. Um, the other purple deck that was fairly well represented. Four top eights. Three of those were first place finishes. Again, a little bit under sort of what I would say is the average meta share of these decks. Mastamon has fallen off a little bit. I think purple star has faded a little bit in this meta. We're seeing, again, more of the OTK decks, more of the quicker decks. So purple has fallen off a little bit, but I think its star is going to be on the rise in the future based on what I'm seeing out of BT11, which is a ways away, I know, but still something to look forward to for purple players who want to have something on the horizon. Uh, next, we have Black War Greymon Red. One of the other big meta shares, kind of up there punching numbers with the top... Like, it's the third most represented deck, I think. It's got 12 total top eights, and nine of those. So, 
75% of its top eight finishes were wins. So Blackwall Greymon actually making a case as one of the strongest decks in the format right now, especially the version with Gaiomon included that is, again, very much in that OTK territory, but nice to see Red having sort of a a piece of the winner's pie because I'm a red player at heart and I like to see red doing well. So seeing a red deck that can do really well just makes me very happy. Speaking of that, 10 total top eights, eight wins, War Greymon X Antibody also doing very well. I think probably because it shares a lot of the same pieces as Black War Greymon slash Gaiomon. So it's kind of also getting in on that, but maybe not played as much and... I think Blackwall Greymon just has a little bit more flexibility with the Gaiomon pieces, with the black cards that are thrown in there. So, Wall Greymon X also doing well. Got a lot of the same sort of power level, but not quite as represented as Blackwall Greymon there. And then finally, we have Security Control. Six total top eights, only one win. So, Security Control, blanket just Security Control is still out there. People are still playing it. You're still going to be aware of it if you're going to a bigger event, but... I don't think it's topping as much um, just based on the first place wins. Like only one out of six total top eights. It's doing well in events and it's getting to top eights, but it's not winning. So you do have to be aware of it, but I wouldn't say that it's going to like be a massive inconvenience. You've just got to have have your game plan ready for if you do come up against security control but I think by now a lot of players are pretty across how to play around it so it's not as big a threat as it used to be but just be aware that it is out there and that sort of wraps up our meta discussion here those are all the decks that I was able to find with significant representation in this meta hopefully that was a bit of an interesting discussion for you guys it was a bit off the cuff for me so for the folks listening a little bit less planned there might be a, have been a little bit more hesitation hopefully you enjoyed that kind of presentation though hopefully it wasn't it was interesting to hear sort of my thoughts as they were being generated i wanted that to be a bit more improvisational not just because it gave me the time to actually put the episode together this week but also because i think personally it's more interesting to get those sometimes to get those snap judgments than it is to get the planned, well thought out, well researched judgments. Not because I think they're more helpful, but be because obviously the well researched judgment is going to be probably closer to the mark. But when you're playing in an event, when you're you kind of and you're actually in it, you do have to make those snap judgments you have to think to you once you're there you need to sort of think to yourself okay what am i worried about here you need to be able to shift on the fly you need to be able to say oh i'm starting to see a lot of this kind of deck i maybe didn't expect to see a lot of this kind of deck i didn't expect to see a lot of security control that's my third security control matchup in five rounds it might have a bigger share of the meta what does that mean what do i need to adjust what do i need to look for moving forward so those making those snap decisions can also be a part of sort of getting better at the game and developing yourself as a player. 
and it's something that I'm trying to work on because often I, I do the work of preparing for a big event. I think these are the kinds of decks I'm going to face. I get there. I got it wrong. And then from there, what do you do? How do you adjust? How do you take the information that's been given to you in terms of your opponent's decks, what cards they're playing, etc. And then how do you use that to adjust your play style as you move forward? That's the kind of thing that I'm interested in. That's what I want to get better at. And that is what hopefully this episode has been able to help you with. And also, hopefully it's been a good catch up on where the meta stands as of right now for BT9 as we head into what I would call the second half of the BT9 meta. Sort of the downhill slope as we move away from big events and towards the competitive players looking at BT10 and the casuals kind of really starting to get into the nitty-gritty of what X-Record is capable of when you're not just worried about OTK all the time because that's what's got the big meta share. Well, you've definitely heard enough from me because I've been a bit waffly this episode. Now, I would like to hear from you. Our listener question of the week is a bit of an involved one. How does the meta and knowing what's in the meta affect your deck building choices personally as a player? Do you like to build decks that are demonstrably strong? You wait to see what's taking a big slice of the meta you build that deck because you're like that's strong i want to build that do you purposefully go against the popular tide do you see a list like this you think see it as like a to not do list i'm not going to build any of those people are seeing them it's not interesting i want to go there road less traveled or do you just not pay it much mind at all is does this mean pretty much zilch to you in which case i'm not sure why you listened to the episode but i'm glad you did If you have an answer to that listener question, or if you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns, you can email me, memorygagepodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, Memory Gage Podcast. You can tweet at me, at ConnorEFMG, or join our Discord server. Links to all of that will be in the show notes of this episode. And I am always happy to hear from you listeners. New episodes of this podcast come out each and every week, so make sure that you're following us on your podcast service of choice. And if you can, on the podcast service of your choice, please rate and review the show. It really helps us out. It helps new people find us. And it brings a smile to my face if you care about that kind of thing. All right. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Memory Gauge. Logging out. Logging out.